So today, Parshas Mishpatim, uh, we're going to go on a wild ride. We're going to start with the Pshat. Uh, we're going to do a bit of etymology. We're then going to go to the Midrash, <laughs> then the Gemara, then the Zohar, and then we're going to end up uh, with alchemy. So I've called this the redness parenthesis or blackness of blood from Exodus 24 to C.G. Jung. <laughs> so let's begin on the wild ride. Remember, we've already taken care of uh, Yitzhiya's Mitzrayim and we've taken care of the crossing of the Red Sea. And now we are going through the laws that were given at Mara. And at the end of it, we have a kind of covenant. Exodus 24.4. Vayichtav Moshe is called Divrei Adonai. Vayashkem Baboker. Vayiven Mizbeach Tachasahar. So at the mountain, he completes writing the words of the Lord. And he gets up early in the morning and he builds a Mizbeach. Ushtem Esrei Matseva and 12 pillars. Lishnei Masar Shifte Yisrael. So we've got 12 pillars at the foot of the mountain. And he sends out the lads. So they offered burnt offerings and sacrificed peace offerings of oxen to God. And now the critical verse in our pericope. Vayikach Moshe Chatzi Hadam. So clearly part of the ritual is the sacrifice. And we know from the sacrificial laws and the Gemara in Zvachim and in the whole of Kodshim uh, that Zrikas Hadam Alam Izbeach, the, the throwing of blood onto the altar is critical for the Korban. That's what is required. How do you do it? It has to be collected uh, in a kind of receptacle. So, Vayikach Moshe Chatzi Adam, and he takes half of the blood, Vayosem Ba'agonos, and he puts it in what? Agonos. What are Agonos? Vachatzi Adam Zarakala Mizbeach. Okay, so he split the blood that he has collected into two. One he puts into a basin, and the other one he throws against the altar. Vayikach Sefer Habris. Now he takes the Book of the Covenant. That's apparently now what he has called the Sefer, the Divrei Adonai. He now calls, he's written it, and he takes the Sefer Habris. Vayikra Ba'ozne Ha'om. And he reads it out and reads it into the Ozne Ha'om, into the uh, ears of the people. Bayomru, and they said, Very nice. Now, what does he do? Remember, he's taken the blood and sprinkled it, or thrown it, or chucked it, or daubed it on the altar. Now he takes Vayikach Moshe et Hadam. What? What? Is it Chatsi Hadam? What's the dam? Is it the remaining dam? What blood is this? By Yisro Kalaom, and he sprinkles it on the peoples. By Yomehine Dam Abris. 
I just read you the Sefer Habris. Here's the blood of covenant. So if you look below, we look at these uh, five psukim. There's the preface. He obtains the acquiescence, Nasevenishma, the covenant preparations. He writes down the commands, builds the altar, wrecks the 12 pillars, sends the young man to offer sacrifices. And then there are stage three stages of the covenant. One collects half the blood of the sacrifices in basins and pours the other half of the blood on the altar. Two, stage two, Moshe reads the transcribed book of the covenant and the people again respond, Nasa Venishma. Stage three, he sprinkles the remaining half of the blood on the people and declares it the blood of the covenant that was contracted of these commands. Very nice. The only problem is that word, aganot. Actually, there's more than that. There's a big machloikis between Rashi and Unklus. Rashi says, shnei aganot, two basins. Echad lechatsi dam ola, one basin for the ola sacrifice, vechatsi l'shlomim. That doesn't say that in the Posuk. Posuk just says, one basin. Doesn't say it had anything to do with the sacrifices that he did uh, he dashed it against the altar with one basin then when it says vayizrok al ha'am targum unklus says uzrak al madbacha lechapara al ama and he daubed vayizrok moshe es hadam he took the he sprinkled it from that basin onto half the people so half was on the Mizbeach and half on the people. Big machlokus between Rashi's understanding of the two basins or one basin, where was sprinkled where, what was sprinkled what. So that's the first problem that we have. Now, the second problem we have is the word aganot. Moses gets up early in the morning, builds the altar at the foot of the mountain, sits up the 12 pillars, sends the Israelite men, then he takes half of the blood and puts it in aganot. Now, is that plural? If it's plural, it should have a vov right here, right here, aganot, but it doesn't. So it's, is it one basin or is it basins? And the other half he splashed against the altar. Very nice. So the covenant between God and Israel is sealed by means of both parties' symbols being bathed in the blood. In the case of the standard sacrifice, the blood of an animal is drained and thrown against the altar. By ritually throwing the blood against the altar, the animal's nefesh, its life force, is restored to God. The ratification ritual here in Exodus 24 is much more complex than a typical sacrifice because it involves a restoration of the animal's blood, both to the creator and to the people in the Brit. A Brit is a covenant between two people. Okay, but what bothers me in this passage is the word aganot. In the original Hebrew, it's very rare in the Bible. Uh, when the priestly sections of the Torah and the Gemara refer to the gathering of the blood for the use by throwing it at the Mizbeach, it uses the word Mizrak, Mem, Zayin, Reish, Kuf, because it was Zarak. It was used to dash the blood against the altar, as we see in Bamidba 7. Another common vessel used 
in the sacrificial cult is Kaira, Ka'ara, like we have Lahavdil on the Agada on the Seder table. It's called the Ka'ara. That is a dish or bowl from its Semitic root, Ka'ar, to make hollow or deep. The Mishnah uses an entirely different term for the collection of blood called the Bazich, the Bazichin. <laughs> the Bazich refers to a rounded vessel to gather blood or entrails of any sacrificed animals. We learned that in our Daf Yomi in Psochim 5 and Tomid. So with so many common terms used for the sacrificial cult of the gathering of the blood, why is this used? Why does the author use aganot? Now, the origin of the word agana comes from the Semitic root of the word in Akkadian. We know from the Epic of Gilgamesh, uh, the language of Akkad, and in Akkadia, aganu means a bowl or a cauldron. And it made its way into several daughter Semitic languages, including the oldest, which is Aramaic, older than Hebrew. And there it's called Agana with an Aleph, the Hebrew Agan and the Syriac Agan and the Arab Agna. So the daughter languages of Akkad, of Akkadian, use this word in a sacrificial way uh, to explain it. Now, where else do we find it in the Bible, the word Agana? Two places. Uh, one is in Isaiah 22, the whole story about Hezekiah and the new steward Eliakim, the son of Hilkiah, will be appointed. And it says, and the glory of his family will be on him, its offsprings and its offshoots, and all its lesser vessels from the bowls to the jars, clay ha'aganot, from the bowls must be small, to the jars, the large clay jars. That's the one reference. The other reference is what I want to share with you is a posuk from Shia Shirim. And that posuk, your navel is round like a goblet. Shia Shirim, uh, chapter six. And if I can translate it, uh, in a more poetic way, because he's describing the anatomy of his lover. How beautiful are your sandal feet. Oh, and he works his way up. Oh, prince's daughter, your graceful legs are like jewels, the work of an artist's hands. Your navel, shorareich, your navel is a rounded goblet, agan hasahar, agan hasahar, al yechsahamozek. That is never lacking of mizug, the blended wine that makes wine palpable. Your navel is a ganha sahar, a rounded goblet. Then he goes on, your waist is a remas chitin, like a mound of wheat circled by lilies. And he goes higher as well. So let's look at the mafarashim. Your navel is like a round bowl. So the Matsudas David says, your navel is like a basin of clear water in which they bathe. Ah, so he takes the anatomy of the navel, which is moist, and it's a metaphor for the basin in which they bathe, made of marble, which is called sahar in Arabic, because the navel is shaped like a round hole. Alternatively, scripture compares its roundness to the shape of the moon, because yareach in Aramaic is sahar. I like that. Let's go back. 
Your navel is like round like the moon. The praise is not in reference to a woman's beauty as the above praise, because in the above, her beloved praises her, but here her friends praise her about her deeds, blah, blah, blah. Okay. In Midrash Tanchuma, we use that posuk in Shia Shirim, your navel is as round as the moon, to describe when you take the sum of B'nai Yisrael, and the navel here reveals the Sanhedrin. Why are they called the navel? Just as the navel is located in the center of the body, so too the Sanhedrin meets in the center of the temple, the Lishka Sagalis. I'm going to come back to this reference to Shia Hashirim when we dig deeper into the Zohar. Now let me share with you the Midrash. And the Midrash will have something to say about this problem. The problem that we have in the biblical text, which is Vayikach Moshe Chatzi Hadam. Now there's a big problem with that. What's the problem? What, who, where, who, what, how, Vayikach Chatzi Adam? First of all, how do we, where, the Torah doesn't tell us where he got the basins. He tells us he got the Oilers, he got the Shlomim, he got the Porim. Where'd you get the, where'd you get the basin? Okay, that's the first problem. Vayikach Moshe Chatzi Hadam. Now, the, the blood is spurting out of these animals into this agana. Very nice. And it says, and he takes half the blood. Really? Half the blood. Where on earth did he know when he came to the half point? Telling me chetzi means there is 25 liters of blood. Actually, there were 600,000 Jews there, so... There was another miracle. How do you sprinkle 600,000 Jews? Some people, he said, they sprinkled on the 12 uh, stones of the altar, the Ibn Ezra says, because that represents them. Fine, whatever. How does he know when he gets to the half point? And we have a bunch of people uh, lending in, and the more people that give an opinion, the, the more mysterious it gets. Let's go through them. Mehechen yada Moshe chetzio sheldam. Okay, number one, Rabbi Yehuda, Rabbi Ilai, Omar, Hadam Nechlak Meilov. Oh, perfect response. It's a miracle. It's a miracle. It just stopped flowing when it came to the end of one half. Then he took another basin and filled that one. That was the other half. A miracle. Rabbi Yehuda's problem is solved. Rabbi Natan Omar. No, 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 not so easy. Something happened, not outside nature, but within the blood itself. And here is what I want to discuss today. Chetzio shel dam, Rabbi Nassan nishtanu marav, its appearance changed. V'naasa chetzio shachor v'chetzio adom. Oh, my giddy aunt. Rabbi Natan is telling us something even more miraculous. He's saying that it could be that in the basin, there were two semicircles. One was black or one was red. Or when the red stopped, he took another basin and then black came in. Apparently, there was red blood and there was black blood. We'll come back to that. Bar Kapara Omar, Malach Yarad Bidmus Moshe Fakalako. Okay, so here we have a transmorphication, a Malach who had 
powers beyond Moshe, transfixed himself and transmogified himself in the shimmera, in the illusion, Bidmus, Moshe, and he himself divided the two bloods because he knew exactly what was 50-50. Rabbi Yitzch, I'm reminded when I talk about 50-50, I've told you this before, I was once on El Al, next to a very pretty middle-aged woman with a beautiful shaitel. And then I woke up and there was this like really old hag with a tichel. And I looked at her and I said, I don't recognize you. And she says, I know it's a 50-50, meaning her shaitel was 50% real hair and 50% fake hair. She calls it a 50-50. My wife isn't so generous with me. She wants pure, much more expensive shaitels. But next to that woman, on, with, I couldn't recognize her without her shaitel in this tichel. When I woke up, she goes, don't worry, it's a 50-50. Here we have 50% red, 50% black. An echo came from Har Sinai and said to Moshe, stop the pouring, change the basin. Very nice. Tani Rabbi Shmuel. Now Rabbi Shmuel says something very interesting that we have to examine. Boki haya Moshe behilchas dam. Oh, Moshe was a big Tamil Chochem. He understood halachas in dam. What halachas? Let's talk about the halachas. The halachas of dam, zeh gadol mizeh, below zeh gadol mizeh. Let's talk about the halachas of dam. So there's a Gemara in Croesus that tells us something very interesting. The Gemara is talking about when are you chayiv chorus? Now, you're chayiv chorus if you drink blood. Well, there's a disagreement between Rabbi Yochanan and Reish Lakish regarding what blood constitutes a chayiv of chorus. So you're, you're, you're shefting an animal or you're even bringing a korban and then you take a, you're thirsty, you take a, a cup and you start drinking the blood. You're not allowed to drink blood. Okay, but when does it become chorus? So the Gemara distinguishes between three types of bloods. The only blood that you are chayef for is the blood that contains the chius, the soul of the animal. And the Gemara, the Mishnah tells us that that is the blood that has to be spilled on the altar because it's the blood life force of the animal. And therefore, it has to be, the Mishnah says, spurting. Okay, very nice. But there are three different opinions. And this is what I want to introduce you to. They disagree with regard to what blood constitutes dam hanefesh, the blood that contains the soul of the animal when bloodletting. Rabbi Yochanan says in the Mishnah that this is the blood that gushes forth, arterial blood, when it is blood is let. Reish Lokish says that this is the blood that flows from the first black drop and onwards. The first black drop. Mitipa hamashcheres ve'elech. Gemara says, from the, the, from the time of the last black drop and onward, 
to include the last red drop. Oh, so we have two different colors of blood that come out of the carotid artery of a severed neck of an animal. And there's a machlokus between what is the blood of the nefesh. For Rabbi Yochanan, it is the volume and force of the blood that defines its koach, what I would call the systolic pulse. Boom, 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 boom. That is the pulse that comes out when you cut an artery. Rabbi Yochanan says it's not about the force of blood. It's actually the color red. And it's a particular time of bloodletting when it turns red. Rashi explains that there are different stages of blood flow from an animal when its blood is let. At first, Rashi says, the blood comes out black, a black tinge. Then it continues to drop slowly. And then it finally becomes red and gushes out. Reish Lokish explains that from the first black blood and onwards, it's called Dam Hakaza, the blood of bloodletting, which contains the soul. Rashi in Chulin actually says the opposite. In Chulin in 36, he says, at first the blood drips out slowly and has a red color, and then the blood gushes out. And finally, the blood that does not contain the soul is black. Rabbeinu Gershom explains that, and this is in the medieval period, that the blood first trickles out red and then black, and afterwards it gushes out. It's a kind of shorah between the two. But as you can see, we have machloikas, but the fact is that there are black drops that do not contain the life force. Everyone agrees. When it happens, before, after, that's a machloikas. But what I wanted to tell you is that he, that the machloikas is about when is the life force. So if we come back to Moshe Rabbeinu, who was a boki, according to Rabbi Shmael, he was a boki and he was able to know everything about Hilchas Dam, when it's black and when it's red. Very nice. Now, let's go back to Rabbi Natan. Clearly, if we understand this Gemara increases, there is a division between black blood and red blood. So who's getting what? Who's getting the black blood and who's getting the red blood? Meaning, who's getting the life force? Does that go on the Mizbeach, like in all other Karbonas? which means Am Yisrael is getting the black blood. What does that mean? In fact, the Mechilta, very cleverly, switches it around. Because the Mechilta says, Moshe took the blood of the burnt offering in two basins, part for God, part for Kam Yisrael. And Moshe took half of the blood and put it in basins. Half of the blood. This is the part for God. And half of the blood he sprinkled on the altar. This is the part for the congregation. So the Medrash, very deftly, sneakily, changes the relationship between the two portions of blood. The portion in the basins, which was after sprinkled on the people, goes to God. The portion that was sprinkled on the altar goes to the congregation. What are we doing here? What are we talking about? For that, we have to go deeper.
By the way, anyone who has cut their knee will know that the blood first oozes out is not bright red, it's venous blood. So I'm just gonna take a little aside and share with you the chemistry of blood. Now we know in different species, we have different colored blood. Uh, in man, it's red, depending if it's venous or not. Certain crustaceans, you can actually turn a mollusk on, on its uh, belly and see blue blood. In some segmented worms and leeches, it's green. And in some marine worms, it's violet. And that all depends on whether it's hemoglobin, hemocyanin, or two other chemicals, hemoerythritin, depending on the chemical uh, of the blood. So just to let you know, not all blood is red. And in man, as we know, uh, if you cut your knee, it's really dark because it's venous, because it's not, hemoglobin is not oxygenated. So it's bright red when it gushes out from an artery. But when, as the Gomorrah says, once it leaves the blood, it darkens. So it could be that um, the black is really a darkened blood. Let's go a little bit deeper here. And let's go back to our lovely statement from Shia Shirim, because the Shia Shirim, as it says in the Zoyar, is used as a proof text. Rabbi Yitzchak says, this is the Gemara, this is the Zoyar on our Parshas Mishpatim, 248, 2, uh, 2, 125. Why is it written, and half the blood on the Mizbeach, on the altar, and not written, Ba Mizbeach? The, the Posuk says, Al HaMizbeach. It should have said, Ba Mizbeach. So the, the Zoya is reading it very closely and saying, Al HaMizbeach is beyond the Mizbeach, upstairs. And says, Rabbi Abba taught from the words that your navel, Agan, is the basin of the moon. Here he says, Sahara, the moon. May it never lack blended wine. He put the wine in Aganot, al Habizbeach, meaning whatever the mystical meaning of the navel and the moon is, it was sent up. What is the mystical meaning? At that moment in time, the moon was waning. That moment in history, the moon was almost dark. It was almost black. At that moment, Am Yisrael became worthy of a greater share of holiness and sealed a holy covenant with HaKadosh Baruch Hu. About what? To Moses, he said, go up to Yudke Vovke, Alei El Adonai. Why did the Shechina tell him go up? So that, and here is the punchline, the Shechina says, so that I and Am Yisrael will participate as one in perfection through your agency. You're the Merkava of the Shekhinah. I want you to make us one. So he's taking the basin, throwing the altar, me'al amizbeach, not bamizbeach, signifying that the aganot that he is, the shape of the agana, not a bazichen, not a small bowl, not what the world, the special agana which refers to the moon-like shape of the navel, which refers to the sihara, the moon, the shechina in her darkness, will now be united with Am Yisrael in its pain. Now, he dashes half of the sacrificial blood 
on the people to now include them in the union. HaKadosh Baruch Hu gets the red. He's perfection. Red is sanctity. Red is perfection. Am Yisrael and the Shechina get the black blood because it represents the Shechina in the Pegima of the Levana. The moon is not full. The moon represents the Shechina and Am Yisrael because it waxes and wanes every month, as Rapsodok tells us. The fortunes of Am Yisrael go up and down because we are in Galut. I've told you many times about the Medrash of the moon, the Pegima of the moon, and that God himself brings a Korban Chatas on Rosh Chodesh because of the mute of the Rerech, the, that the moon has been diminished, but that represents the Shechina because the Shechina is with us and so it gets diminished. And so Moses takes the half the blood and puts it in the Agana and he dashes it Al Hamizbeach. Now we come back to that Plene, the full word Aganot would have a Vav, basins. The Zoya reads it with, without the Plene, without the Vav. There was only one basin. There were not two basins for the Zoyar because there's a deficiency in the Vav. There was one basin, a singular sense of the noun, which alludes to one thing alone, the Shechina. The basin represents the Shechina, symbolized by the moon and alluded to in our wonderful posuk that your navel is Agan, the basin of the moon. May it never lack blended wine, wine being red. May it never not connect to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. So the basin of the moon, Moses takes the blood from the basin of the Shechina and dashes it on the people, linking him with her. And this goes along with this whole Zohar project that the Shechina is in the blotter, which brings me to my final point, And that is the difference between black and red. And I want to quote to you from the Zohar. Shechora ani v'na'ava. The verse in Shia Shirim elsewhere says, I am black but comely. Black was considered not uh, a very good uh, attribute in a, in a young lady. So, so the, the, the girl tells the lover, Shorani, yes, but I am comely. Look at my Midos. And so the Zoya says, these are the names of B'nai Yisrael, as in our Zoya. Rabbi Yehuda says, I am black but comely. We learn as a reference to the Shechina who is described as black because the children of Israel are in captivity in Galut. Comely because they are filled with Torah and mitzvahs. I told you once there was a story of one of the Talmidim of the Arizal who had a repeated poem that the Shechina was uh, by the Kosel, that the, the time for Geula had come. And he keeps on getting this dream. So he goes to the Arizal and the Arizal said, okay, get on your donkey and, and take the three-day ride and go down to Yushalayim and, and go to the Kosel and report back to me. So he leaves Savat and he goes all the way down to Yushalayim and he goes to the Kosel and he sees a beautiful maiden, the most beautiful maiden he'd ever seen dressed in a black robe. And he faints, he faints. And when he comes to, she is standing over him, reminding you of the lost princess story of Rabbi Nachman when he swoons 
because he thought he had seen the princess. And she said, you've got to rescue me. You must stay awake from Yom Kippur. And he, he just falls asleep. He's so tired, he swoons, right? And when he wakes up, it's too late. Rabbi Nachman picks up on this trope. And when he wakes up, the Shechina is bent over him. And now she's in white and says, because you cried for me, Yom on Valayla, the Geula will come and you will live another Chof Beis Shona, 22 years for the, for the letters of the alphabet. Again, the Shechina is dressed in black. Let's go to alchemy. Now, alchemy happened after the time of the Zoya. Alchemy, alchemistry preceded our modern notions of chemistry. And the critical idea in alchemy, according to Jung, uh, is that whatever's happening to your search for the gold, you're turning Niger, the plumbum, the lead into gold, has to be contained and co ongoing. That process has to be ongoing in you. First, you have to go through the dark night of the soul. That's the blackening of the lead in the fire. It's called the Niger process. As non-color, black extinguishes the perceptual colored world. The blackening negates the light, whether that be the light of knowledge, the attachment to sun as far-seeing prediction, or the feeling that all phenomena in the world can be understood. Black dissolves meaning and the hope for meaning. So what then happens? What happens is the process from blackening to, which is called in Italian nigredo, nigreda from Niger or blackness, to rubido, to redness. The process from black to red is a process that's occurring within the soul. The negredo is the blackness representing the putrefaction of my old soul, my spiritual death. Albedo, albino, the whiteness represents the purification and the solar dawn, the ayelet hashachar of awakening. And the rubido stage entails the attempt of the alchemist to integrate the psycho-spiritual outcomes into a coherent sense of self before its re-entry into yellowness, which is the gold, which is the philosopher's stone. So Rubido represents that kind of integrating process of the reconstitution of the self once it has been degenerated through the blackness of exile. And I think that that's really what we're talking about in the Zoya and in the Shechina, that as we take these highly mystical ideas to explain this enigmatic medrash about the basins and the blood and the splitting of the blood, Rib tells us that half was red and half was black. I think he was teaching us something very profound, whether he understood it or not, <laughs> I don't know, but it, it appealed to me as we go through our individuation process. We can now take these highly mystical ideas from the Zoya and the blackness of the Shechina and Golas and integrate it into our own spiritual paths. As we go through trauma, cultural trauma, Washington trauma, Corona trauma, we have to die to that former self 
and go through that dark night of the soul, the nigredo process. And then in order to get to the whiteness before the philosopher's stone of re-entry and self-knowledge, we have to go through the redness of the rubido. May we all go through the process in this covenantal relationship between Shechina, Kodesh Baruch Hu, our higher selves and our egos, between our communal self, and maybe get through this together in good health. Have a great week.